Our topic today, as we're continuing on the sermon series, Be Different, It Is Time. Be Different, It Is Time. I'm going to be focusing on loving people and making friends. But then I thought I should touch on this briefly. Why are we talking about Be Different, It Is Time? When we talk about be different as the children of God, remember the Bible said that people will know that you are my disciples when you have love for one another. The kind of love that we have for each other. People will know that you are my disciples. So when we begin to love the way God loves, I just was blown away by the worship this morning. I was just weeping and weeping, thinking about the love that God has for us. When we understand the love that God has for us and we start giving that love out, giving it away, you'll be amazed of what will happen in the city of Joburg. It starts with us understanding the love that God has for us and we take that love to other people. So our topic for today, as I say, loving people, making friends. Some of the greatest skills you can ever learn is making friends and developing friendships. Developing friendships and developing relationships. What I like about that is the kingdom of God is built on relationships. We do not build disposable relationships. Why have I known Andrew and Carol for 25 years? It's because we believe in lifelong relationships. We don't just plug in, plug out. We stay engaged in the relationships. I like what uh, Pastor Joey Bonifacio would say. Discipleship is relationship. So discipleship is relationship. We make disciples, we can make an impact in the relationships that we have. If you can make a friend, you can make a disciple. If you can make a friend, you can make a disciple. I want to start you off with this uh, very powerful quote from uh, Rick Warren. He says, you cannot give what you don't have. Unlovely people are unloved people. Hurt people hurt others. Ouch, ouch, ouch. You cannot give what you don't have. Unlovely people, they find it difficult to love. So our starting point for today, as we talk about loving people, loving friends, and making friends, it starts with us understanding that we are loved. It's that with us understanding that there's nothing that we can do that can make us, God love us more. He already loves us the way we are. I'm a son of God. I don't need to perform. I don't need to do anything. I need to just come as I am. And when I come as I am, that's when he shows his goodness to me. And when I live with that revelation, then I can love others. When I live with that understanding that I am accepted, it actually makes it easier for me to judge others. I will not judge others because I'm loved. I am loved. I am loved. I ask you this question. When you squeeze a toothpaste tube, what comes out of it? I hope toothpaste. There is a South African in this place. Only in South Africa, we call all the toothpaste Colgate. Even Aquafresh is Colgate. You got it. Exactly. You know, when you squeeze a toothpaste tube, what comes out? Colgate. You got it. Aha. Uh-huh. So now I have a question for you. When you squeeze a Christian who's loved by God, what must come out? Love. Not Colgate. When you squeeze a Christian who's loved by God and understands that they are loved by God, what must come out? Love. Love. You know, um, when you talk about being squeezed, it means that even during times of pressure, during times of hardships, what comes out of us is what? Love. 
It is love. It is love. Love, 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 love. One of the reasons God put us here on earth is to learn to love. To love Him and to love one another. You know, this, I was pondering about it. I mean, God could have just put us here on earth and day two, we go to heaven. We could have just like, okay, great. Okay, you've tasted how earth is like. Day two, we go to heaven. But God is putting us here on earth to understand his love because what are we going to do for all eternity is to love him and to worship him. So he's put us all here on earth to love him and to love one another. You know, that's the picture of the cross, right? To love God and to love one another. That is why God put us here on earth. You remember Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. That is the greatest and the first commandment. And he continues to say, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Loving God and loving one another. That's the foundation of what we're talking about. So today, our text is from Acts chapter 8, verse 26. If you have your Bibles, you can open there with me or you can uh, read with me on the screen. I picked up this text to help us understand how we need to learn to get into other people's spaces. And the best way to do that is through love. The best way to get into other people's spaces, into their world, is when we show love. Not when we give them 10 rules of becoming a Christian. It is when we just show this unconditional love that we have experienced. So I'm going to read from verse 26. This is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch of the court of the official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. The word treasure there is key. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. He invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened up his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus Christ. Finally, as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is the water. What prevents me from being baptized? He was on fire. He just received Jesus. And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. And Philip and the eunuch, and, uh, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. 
And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, the, he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So from this scripture that we've read, if you were to start reading from verse 1 of chapter 8, you understand that uh, Stephen had just been murdered, Stephen had just been killed, and persecution arose. And the Bible speaks about the Christians who ran away uh, during that time. And the Bible speaks of Philip going to Samaria, and they preached the gospel in Samaria, and there was a great revival. I like the phrase they use in that scripture. They say, the city was filled with joy. And that's what we believe in God for, for Joburg. Amen. The city of Joyburg will be filled with joy. Amen. The city was filled with joy. When revival hits Johannesburg, the city will be filled with joy. I don't know about you. I do believe that God is at work in our city and in our nation. No matter what is happening, we believe that God is at work. We'll touch on that just a little bit. But there was a, a, a revival taking place in Samaria. And then you move on in Acts chapter 8. You get to this place where now uh, Philip is returning to Jerusalem. As soon as he arrives in Jerusalem, he gets a nudge from the Holy Spirit. An angel comes to him and says, bro. I think the angel went like this. Dude, God has an assignment for you. There is an errand that the Holy Spirit wants you to run for him. If I was Philip, I would say, I just came from a revival. I've just seen the city being transformed with the power of God. And now you're sending me to a desert place. You notice the Bible says, go from Jerusalem to Gaza. Go study there. It's a desert place. God is sending him to a desert place, a deserted place. But what is Philip doing? He responds by going. He's obedient to the call of God, to going for the one. To going for the one. Yes, we've had a revival. Lots of people got saved. The city is rejoicing. But God cares for the one. God cares for the one. He's sending him for this errand. For the one. He says, that one is as important to me as the city. That one is as important to me as the church. Leave the church in Jerusalem. Leave revival in Samaria. Go for the one. Go for the one. That one is as important to me as the revival that is happening. I want to submit this to you. The salvation of a single sinner is an objective worthy of God's attention. Every gospel encounter is a setup from heaven. Every gospel encounter is a setup from heaven. God will stop and say, I, I like what is happening in Samaria, but I also care about this one. And I'll set circumstances around so that you, Philip, will go and preach the gospel to this one. You know, I keep putting myself in Philip's shoes. I'll say, but God, you know what? We have such a great church going here. Why should I go for the one? God says the one is important. The one is important. When sinners are converted, it's because God forms a plan and a purpose to get to them because he's constantly reaching out to us. Remember what the Bible says? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. He loved us while we were still sinners. He called us while we were still sinners. So I want to share three things with you. As a true every nation pastor, sometimes we'll preach one point, sometimes we we'll preach no point. But today, I preach three points, okay? <laughs> All right. 
I try to, to go with the A's just for Andrew's sake. Awareness, availability, and av uh, ability. So from the scripture we've read, you notice these three words, maybe there's more, of how Philip was aware of what God was doing around him. He was aware of what the Spirit was doing. You also notice that he made himself available. He could have given all the excuses he could have given. But what I like the most is towards the end when it speaks about how he had the ability to share the gospel with this dude. You know, he knew the text that he was reading because he had been in the Word. So as we talk about being aware of what God is doing around us, I want to bring your attention to verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Philip was aware of what God was doing. Philip was in tune with the Holy Spirit. Philip was attentive to what the Holy Spirit was doing and he was obedient to what God was saying to him. Now, talking about being aware of what God is doing around us, I want to submit one more time that the electricity crisis and the load shedding we're experiencing, God is at work in the midst of this crisis. God is at work. The economic downturn that we're experiencing, we need to be like the sons of Issachar who understood the times and knew what to do. So as the children of God, we need to ask ourselves, God, what is it that you're taking us down? It must be a setup for the kingdom for where you want to take us. We do not just look at today and say, this is the end of the world. No, 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 no. Look at history, how God would move away from the Israelites, how God will move away from nations. And as they come back to seek his face, you can see things rise up again. We need to understand the times. We ask ourselves, why there's so many deaths in our schools? Isn't it time for us to say, we need to go back to God? We need to bring, back, we need to bring God back in our schools. I'm glad that the MEC of Education is talking about it. Say, please help us. We need God back in our schools. You ask yourself about all these things that are happening in society I am convinced God is at work. God is at work. On Monday night, I, I had a dream. So I am not as prophetic as some of the people on the front row are, you know. Uh, I, God speaks to me through dreams from time to time. I hear dreams. If I remember a dream, I know that that's God. If I don't remember a dream, thank you, Lord. Take it away. I had a dream and I saw this family in the church. Um, they were pulling a rope as if it was like a tug of war. They were on the other side and pulling and pulling. And on the other side, people were pulling. And it looked like they were losing. And I saw them asking for help and say, please help us. We are about to lose. And Lindy and I woke up on Tuesday morning. We started praying for them and interceding for them and praying and praying. At about 7 a.m., I sent a text message. I say, hey, bro, just so you know, we had this dream and we prayed and we just want you to know that God is with you. He responds back and he says, bro, I am in Lagos, Nigeria. Tomorrow I'm going to Abuja. There is a court case for this uh, big business deal that we got. Someone is saying that you stole our business. And it looked like they were losing. As I'm talking to you today, they won the case. They won the case. Praise God. As a true pastor, I hope he's going to tithe. 
It's just a joke, by the way. Send two. I'll send Tamuka to speak to them about the importance of giving. Now, we could have had the dream and we could have just said, okay, it's one of those. But being aware of what the Spirit is doing, we prayed. We prayed into the dream and God brought victory. Another great story reminding you that every gospel encounter is a setup from heaven. You know, um, when you are aware of what God is doing, when you interact with people, you'll see that God is already working in their hearts. You know, it's not always that when you meet with someone, you will share the gospel. You sometimes will just uh, sow seeds. God will make those seeds to grow. We celebrate those seeds being sown, right? And uh, this one time I was coming from my house, uh, from, from the church to the house using an Uber. And uh, normally it takes us about seven minutes from the church to our house when there's no traffic. When there's Jobic traffic, it can take anything from 30 minutes to an hour. So now, think about this, seven minutes plus minus, it was, there was no traffic. And as I walk in, I find that this guy, as I start the conversation, remember salt, start the conversation, ask questions, listen and tell the story, I realize that this guy is ready for the gospel. And this was the only time ever in my entire life I prayed for traffic, Carol. I said, Lord, can there be traffic today? Can all the traffic lights close, Lord? Let them not open. By the time we got to my house... I led this guy to the Lord because he was ready. Being aware of what the Lord is doing, you know. And earlier this year, I go to the guest lounge after the service. Guess who I meet? My Uber driver. My Uber driver. I gave him the one-to-one the day and he came to church. Being aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing. The next point I want to bring to you is, uh, are you available? Verse 27, and he arose... Uh, when you read it in Greek, it says he woke from his sleep. I'm glad that people in those days, they were woke. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's just for the millennials in the house. So Philip was woke. And he arose, woke from his sleep and went. And there an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, if you use the Ethiopian language, it was Kandeke, queen of the Ethiopians who was in charge of all her treasure, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Just that part that he had come to Jerusalem for worship. So I did a bit of study, uh, looking at the distance between Ethiopia and Jerusalem. It's 2,564 kilometers. That's the engineer in me. There's still a little bit of it, right? I made the calculation. Now, 2,564 kilometers is going to Cape Town to and fro. Imagine going to church. In that distance, we only complained for about 30 minutes. I complained about seven minutes. This dude, I mean, maybe he went to church once a year. They would go when it's festivals, you know, like Easter, Passover. He would travel three to four days. I'm just calculating if maybe the chariot was going at 50 kilometers an hour. <laughs> Give or take. It'll be three. It'll be very fast. I mean, 60 kilometers. I mean, that's a car, you know. So if they're going at like 10, 20 kilometers an hour, it can take them a week to go for worship. What it says to me about this guy, talking about the fact that he was a eunuch, uh, two things that we hear about in scripture when we talk about eunuch is uh, they were devoted to God and to the king. That is why she worked for the queen. 
they didn't have families, so they would have time to devote themselves to God and to the king. But another thing that is important here that I notice is the fact that he was in charge of all the queen's treasure. You can say he was a minister of finance. Lord, change the hearts of the minister of finances. Let them come to you and know you. He didn't have a relationship with God. He would travel that far to worship, to connect with God. He had a longing for God. He was longing for God. And that is why God will send the one Philip to go and share the gospel with him. So what I'm trying to say to you is, I think there are two reasons why God wanted him to get saved. Obviously, God is constantly reaching out to people, wanting them to come. But the one reason is, his longing for God made God answer that prayer. The other reason is the level of influence he had to the queen and to the nation. The Lord knew that when this guy gets saved, the nation may just get saved. So I want to submit to you that uh, when we talk about the one, is the least of this, but it's also the influential people. We need to trust God for those influential people to come to know the Lord. We need to trust the mayors and the premiers and the governors to come to know the Lord. You know, last year when we did uh, the election debate, some of you were there. Uh, Sam, I think you were the MC, right? Grilling the guys. Well done, Sam, by the way. When Sam is not leading worship, he's on TV. That's one of the things that he's doing. So um, we were having this uh, election debate. It wasn't so much about the debate. It was what was going to happen after the debate. You have all the senior politicians in the house. After the debate, we start prophesying over them and preaching the gospel to them. And some of them, not knowing what even prophecy is, they ask, how did you know all that about me? God is at work. We need to make ourselves available. We need to make ourselves available. Now, let me just give a challenge before we start to close. You know, pastors, when we say we're starting to close, that's when we start to preach. All there was introduction. Here's a challenge. Next slide. The biggest threat to the preaching of the gospel is a busy life. We have no margin. Now, I'm preaching to myself as well here. I was very encouraged by one of the books my wife read by John Ortberg, Soul keeping, and uh, he quotes Dallas Willard, who said, You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life, because if you don't do that, you're going to miss those kingdom moments, those gospel encounters where you could have made him known. Those gospel encounters where Philip was nudged by the Holy Spirit, Go, there's an influential guy going through town, you must get to him. But if we are so busy, no margin, no time for any other thing, we will not be able to respond to the nudges of the Holy Spirit. So I'm convicted that the way I do my calendar, the way I do my life, have I allowed time for that Uber driver? Have I allowed time for that lady at pick and pay? Someone shared the story with us that uh, uh, she was at pick and pay. Notice that the person in front of them was not able to pay everything. We've, We've noticed that, right? We've noticed when someone starts putting things back. It is so sad when you when you see that, but it's a setup. It's a kingdom setup. It's a setup for a gospel encounter. So this lady says, because she was behind, she says, "You can put everything. I will pay." the difference I'll pay the difference and what happened afterwards they started a conversation and she asked her 
how are you doing? Why can I pray for you? She says, I'm looking for a job. Can you please pray for me to find a job? They prayed together, and then she invited her to church. The next day, she was at church. That very same afternoon on Sunday, some people work on Sunday, she got a call to come for a job interview on Monday. On Monday, she got a job. God is in the business of answering prayer. To this day, He is still answering prayer. But the key and the morale of the story is this. The lady who was behind her had some margin and was aware of what the Holy Spirit was doing. Was aware that Holy Spirit has put me here, not just to pay the groceries, to help this woman to start a relationship with the Lord. Every gospel encounter is a setup of heaven. I like what Maxwell says. He says, before sharing the gospel, invest in relationships. It's a bit of a challenge because there are times when you'll be prompted to share the gospel. Nothing wrong with that. But there are times where you just invest in relationships. The one morning Lindy was driving to school, noticed this go-go walking with a little girl to school. And my daughter Rory noticed that that little girl is in her class. And uh, they stopped the car and says, can we give you a lift? As I'm talking to you now, Lindy has got another daughter that she's taking to school every single day. Investing in relationships, just saving people, just loving people. The same love we've received when we are squeezed, what do we do? We give out that love. We give out that love. We give out that love. Are you able? That's my last question for you. Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with the scripture, I like that. He knew his Bible. He knew his Bible. He didn't say, I need the one-to-one. He said, right here, right now. There is a place for the one-to-one. But he knew his scripture, beginning with the scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. I bet you, like, if he found him somewhere in the book of Moses, there's no book of Moses, in Exodus, he would have said, beginning from the scripture, he would have led him to Jesus. It's the truth. I mean, begin, I mean, everything from Genesis to Revelation, it's Jesus. If you read it closely, you, every chapter has got something about Jesus. It's a love letter from God. Beginning with the scripture. He didn't go far. He helped to lead him to the Lord. What a setup of heaven. I like the fact that he was reading Isaiah 53 verse 7. Exactly about Jesus. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who went to the cross, didn't open his mouth. Also, the Bible says, Philip opened his mouth. Let me just correct something that we used to say. I also used to say in the past, we used to say, quoting someone who said, by all means, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. I just want to say, that's not the Bible. (laughs) If necessary, use words. Yes, we need to show acts of love, but the time comes where we need to open our mouths. Philip opened his mouth. To share the gospel. We need to share the good news with those around us. Beginning with the scripture, Philip knew what the message of the gospel was. What the good news of the gospel was. When we preach the gospel, we carry a treasure that we are sharing with other people. It's a treasure that you read about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. I like how Apostle Paul puts it. In King James Version, the most anointed version, it says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Right? Let's start with King James Version. Stop with this one. I want to give you the anointed one first. Let's start with King James Version first. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of His power is of God and not of us. 
If you read it in ESV, it says that we have this treasure in jars of clay. That the surpassing greatness of His power, it's not from us, but it's from God. It means that the treasure that we carry, it's a treasure that comes from God and not from us. The love that we experience is not from us, it's from God. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We are human, we are fallible, we make mistakes. I'm not perfect, but I carry a treasure. I carry a treasure. I carry a treasure. Uh, now, for your sake, let's read NLT. I was just preaching to myself, King James Version and Andrew here on the front. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. You know, we disqualify ourselves from making Him known. We say we don't have what it takes to make Him known. We think that we are the ones that are being rejected. But when we understand that we carry a treasure, all we have to do is make the treasure given to others. Just share the treasure. Just share what's in the treasure chest. The light that is shining, it speaks about us as a city on the hill that cannot be hidden. All of us, we can shine some light to those around us. Two years ago, I started a relationship with a, a guy who was an agnostic, basically not sure whether they believe in God or not, new in South Africa from Germany. And um, I was talking with him about salvation and coming to the Lord. And after a process of time, he gave his life to the Lord and we baptized him. And I, I like the fact that in the part of the conversation with him, discovering that he's going out uh, with a black lady and he asked me a question about Lobola. Clearly the Lord is speaking about Lobola today. <laughs> I explained to him what Lobola is and how we need to redeem what culture has taken away from the origins of what Lobola is. And as I explain the origins of Lobola to him, he says to me, in the olden day Germany, they have this thing called Mitgift. Andrew, you will know. And if I, even if I'm not pronouncing it well, Andrew will explain it later. So, Mitgift is a treasure chest that a father starts to build when a girl child is born. So mid-gift is to say that when my daughter is born, I'm going to build this chest. And over the years, I'm going to put treasures in this chest. And when they grow up, whether they get married or not, we're going to give them this chest. But when, especially when they get married, they'll have a ceremony when they give them this chest. And this chest has got all the treasures, these amazing things that are inside there. And the more I pondered about it and looking at this word, the treasure that we carry, I realized that for all of us, when we were born, the Father started building a treasure chest for us. All of us, God has been building a treasure chest for us. We have this treasure in us. We have a treasure. The Father has been putting good things. But this is the crux of the matter. It is when we share the good news that we start taking out of the treasure. We start taking out of the treasure chest. All of us, God, the Father, has been building a treasure chest for us. We just need to go there and pull out the good things that He has for us and share it with others. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness, the surpassing power is not of us, but it's of God. The other thing is I realize out of that is we actually get to experience the power of God when we share the good news. 
You know, you experience something you never experienced. I don't know if you noticed when you share the good news. That's what I'm excited about. Jesus is the door training that's coming. Something happens on the inside that I cannot explain. I may be feeling down that day. Something may have been beating me down. But as soon as I even pray for someone, I didn't share the good news. Something happens. There is a power that is at work when we make him known. The gospel is the treasure that we carry. We should not keep it to ourselves. Remember Matthew 13, 34. The kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in the field. The gospel of the kingdom is like a treasure hidden in the field. When the person found it, sold everything that they had for this treasure. So it means that the gospel should be the number one thing in our life. It's a treasure that we received. Relationship with God and relationship with others. How do we make friends in simple terms before we pray? Allow yourself to be loved. That's where we started. Allow yourself to be loved. Love others. Be present in conversations. Put the cell phone away. (laughs) Ask questions and offer information. Find common ground and grab conversation hooks. You will notice from the scripture we've read, beginning with this text, you will find common ground and get those conversation hooks to lead to the gospel. In a nutshell, we call it salt. Start a conversation, ask questions, listen, tell your story and tell his story. Tell your story and tell his story. From verse 29 that we've read and 30, if you read it in different versions, um, the Spirit goes to Philip and the Spirit says to Philip, go join yourself to him. You know, when he says, go join yourself to his chariot, go join yourself to him, go into his space. And as he got closer and he asked him the question, the Ethiopian eunuch invited him onto his chariot. He invited him into his space. So I want to say to you, when we show the love of God to the people around us, when we just begin with just loving them and loving them and joining ourselves to them, they will invite them into their spaces. They will invite us into their spaces. And some of you, God is calling you maybe to join yourself to a political party to bring change from within. Some of you, God may be calling you to join yourself to a golf club. Hallelujah. I don't play golf. Some of you, God may be calling you to join some group so that you can be able to get into their space and bring the kingdom of God. Speaking about cell phones, I want us to activate this word by pulling out our cell phones and ask the Holy Spirit, who is the person that you should pray for? It may be one or two. Just pull out your cell phone. Ask the Holy Spirit, who is the person you should be praying for? Maybe that's your minister of finance. That's your Ethiopian eunuch that you need to bring the good news to them. We're going to take time to pray for people that we know they may not yet have a relationship with God. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring them to your attention. And what we're going to do is, uh, you do it now or even later, send them a word of encouragement. Something like, I was thinking about you this morning. Something like, is there anything I can pray for you? When you do that, you'll be amazed what will happen. The response that you'll get. Let's just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to show us who are the people that He's bringing to our attention so that we can make Him known.
Holy Spirit, we thank you for this time together. Father, we realize for us to see Johannesburg transformed, it starts with us, Lord. It starts with us being aware of what you are doing in our city. It starts with us making ourselves available to the tugs and the nudges of the Holy Spirit. It starts with us being in the Word and knowing the Word and knowing the Gospel message so we can know, make it known. Lord, I pray that we realize we don't have to be experts. We just need to be available. We just need to make ourselves available to share the good news with those around us. Lady God, I pray for each and every person that is here that we will experience that power that comes through the sharing of the gospel, the joy that comes through the sharing of the gospel. I pray, Lord God, for those people that we will be sending messages that you also start to work in their hearts, Father God. We cannot keep this treasure to ourselves. We want to pull out and share it with others, Lord. We want to pull out and share with others, God. Lord, do a deep work in our hearts this morning. Convict us, challenge us, Father God, to do all that we can to know you and to make you known. The love that we have received, we can share it with others. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's give God the glory.